Good morning. I'm reading from Romans 8, starting at verse 23 to 27. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day that God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groans that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. The reading of God's word. Good morning, everyone. And it's good to be here today. It's a beautiful drive to church this morning. Uh, trees are gorgeous these days, and, and uh, the landscape is green, and uh, well, so good. We're glad you're here. Thanks, Darlene, again for reading the scripture for us. Uh, I'm always intrigued with uh, Selena and the games that she comes up with, and now we get to meet Janet, the wonderful. She'll start next week, and we'll have her here for the next year so. Awesome. We're blessed. We're really blessed. Now, on the, uh, on the screen, there's a little game. See, I'm really influenced by Selena all the time. Now I'm playing games, and she's been playing for years, but I'm just getting on to it. Here's a little game, because uh, we, we asked the question, does the Bible speak about groaning? And is there groaning, and w w when do we groan? So here we go. He only lived for 58 years. Uh, oh, what a life he lived. Such a powerful life. He packed so much uh, into 58 years. Can I give you a little history trivia this morning? Uh, I don't expect anyone to recognize this face on the screen. Does anybody? Is there anybody out there? Nobody recognizes? I think you probably do over here. Yes, you do. He lived in the middle 1800s, and he was a pastor. He was a pastor in London, England. Wherever he went, God's grace and power was upon his life. Uh, God's anointing was on his teaching. God often started revival in the hearts of people as they sat under the teaching of the Word of God. Eventually, they constructed a facility called the Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle, uh, a facility that, uh, well, some of you are maybe getting it now, uh, seated about 5,000 people with 1,000 people that could stand. 
and uh, 6,000 seat auditorium in the middle 1800s, and his name was Spurgeon. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And God stewarded him with an enormous gift, the gift of preaching, the gift of teaching, and he stewarded those gifts so well. For 30 years, the Holy Spirit used Spurgeon as he preached, and the the building was full all those years, both Sunday morning and Sunday evening. One day he was asked to preach at the Surrey Garden Music Hall on October 19, 1856. This was his very first time preaching there, and 10,000 people filled that place. But that was the hardest day ever for Charles Spurgeon, because in the crowd of 10,000 people were some mischief makers who screamed out, Fire! Fire! I hope I don't scare the kids back there. (laughs) They'll come running out here. And a stampede of of people happened uh, so quickly that seven people were left dead and 28 were seriously injured. As Robert Smith comments, this shadowed the life of Spurgeon, plunging him into a pit of depression out of which he would never emerge for the rest of his life and has served as a symbol for the horror that can happen to the very people of God. On September 11, uh, 2001, I drove to the church, and I, as soon as I got into the office, somebody said, something terrible is happening in New York City. We found an old TV that didn't give us good reception, and you know how we used to twist those rabbit ears to get reception, and we watched as one plane flew into the Twin Towers, And then to everyone's shock, another airliner came along and slammed into the second tower. And then one hit near the Pentagon, and we just couldn't believe what was happening. That day changed the tone of history. It was a pivotal moment in history. Uh, It serves as a symbol for how tragedy can fall upon any nation at any time. Now, that was 20 years ago, and today we faced Iraq, Afghanistan, the nuclear armament of North Korea, the political divide of America, the impact of COVID-19, the instability of political leadership around the world, the war in Ukraine, the sanctions against Russia, and the strengthening of the NATO alliance, bracing for what yet might come. The world is groaning. You know, there's an old song, I'm sure you know it. The world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My hopes and all my treasures are laid up beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Matt, if you were up here, you would just waltz that one right out, I know. That's a sign that we're groaning. The world is groaning. We talked last week about how the earth is growing, groaning, and if you recall, the text reminded us that we as people are all groaning. Not only the creation, but we as people are groaning, looking forward to the day that is coming, looking forward to the day when history wraps up, 
And the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to for his own. Now, friends, we got a most unusual text this morning, and, and uh, it's one that we maybe don't think about a lot, but here it is. The Holy Spirit is groaning. In this world that is not my own, the Holy Spirit is also groaning. Now, what's your take on these verses? And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I have to say I value these words so much from Paul. They make a lot of sense to me in trying to understand the context of the world that we live in. Now, groaning might not have been my first word to describe it, uh, but as I think about it, it's probably a very, very good, understandable word. The earth is groaning because of Genesis 3 and the consequences of what happened in the garden. And the world is subject to all kinds of atrophy, which reduces its vitality and effectiveness. We are noticing more and more the unpredictability of weather. The storm that went through Toronto and Ottawa a week ago, the storms, the catastrophes, and we notice how Paul said that all creation is groaning, verse 22. I get the sense that it comes like a chorus from all over the world, this unified song of groaning, which we don't hear with the human ear, but we see with the eye, and we feel with our hands. I don't know if anybody's planting roses uh, this spring, but if you are, aren't they sharp, those barbs? On those pretty roses, but the sharp barbs, watch, you can poke a, a thorn into your thumb so easily. And don't let the lions out to roam in the zoo with other animals, because these lions don't lay down with the lamb. Not yet. And the leopard will not rest beside the bear. Not yet. The groaning is waiting for a future glory. When the earth's childbirth, as Paul talks about it, the labor of creation will be finally finished. And remember why we are groaning as people, as believers. You might think that we shouldn't be groaning because we have a relationship with our Father, with the Abba Father, and we are His children, and it's all very amazing. And that's absolutely true. We have a Father that we can relate to. We call Him Abba. Daddy, Papa, it's a term of intimacy, and that's the very best part of living in this world, that we have a Father who loves us. But we're still missing something. One thing that hasn't fully happened yet is our adoption into God's forever family. This is still only partially completed. My spirit's been adopted. I have the Holy Spirit in my life, but my body is not adopted yet. I know Christ, but I'm waiting for a new body to sustain me for eternity. Just because I became a Christian and had my spirit renewed, I was, not, I was born again, but I had not yet had my body renewed. My body is getting older. So is yours, by the way. If you disagree, look in the mirror. 
Pull out a photo from 10 years ago. We need a checklist now before we leave home. Got my hearing aid? Got my teeth? Got my glasses? Got my cane? Yep, good to go. Oh, after I, I need a little nap before we go. The body knows that it can't go to heaven this way. You can't go to heaven this way. We're in need of a new body. And that's what Paul is telling us. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And we as people are groaning because now our physical bodies have a time clock on them. They all wear down. Every one of us is subject to the groaning of our bodies, sooner or later. But I remind us that yet another one in this Roman story is groaning, and that is the Holy Spirit. Why is the Spirit groaning? And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Did you realize how much he's helping us in our weakness? I'm often aware of my need, and I see Jesus come to my side, and I feel incredibly blessed about that. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Mark Batterson, one of my favorite authors, said that uh, the Holy Spirit is like a search engine. And he quoted Google as having over two million servers using a search algorithm called PageRank. Google crawls 20 billion websites every day and performs over 100 billion searches per month. Mind-boggling. I grew up in a little old library doing research with a card catalog system, one book at a time. Sign it out. She's watching. Sign it out. Now the Internet is a wealth of great information and bad information. And what Paul is celebrating with us is the fact that the Holy Spirit also has a search engine. And there's nothing he doesn't know. Even the number of hairs on your head is numbered. Which might be a bigger assignment. I'm not looking at you. <laughs> For God, I'm not looking. <laughs> you got a question? You know need the answer to? There is one exception. The Holy Spirit knows the answer. The Holy Spirit's search engine is highly tuned. And if you're asking, he will tell you what we need to know and when we need to know it. Like you, I've got a whole bunch of things on the back burner waiting for God to show me and tell me what I need to know and when I need to know it. But the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life is impressive. Sometimes it's a prompting to do, to, to do something. Remember when Philip was instructed by the Holy Spirit to go down to that road called Gaza? And there you would find an Ethiopian treasure. And he did that. He went down there and he got up on board with the, on the chariot and he explained to him what he was reading in the book of Isaiah. And the treasurer said, well, okay, here's water. I believe in Jesus that you're talking about. What's to keep me from being baptized? And he was baptized. And that all came about because of the leading of the Spirit in Philip's life. The operation of the Holy Spirit in your life will amaze you. Perhaps just the right word at the right time. Oh, God, where did that come from? But thank you for it. Perhaps it's an idea that comes into your mind, and it's totally perfect for the moment, for the hour, for the situation. It's totally a God moment inspired by the Holy Spirit. He prays for us. The Holy Spirit prays and intercedes for us because he knows our weakness, and we don't always know what to pray for. 
But remember, this is the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that when he went away, he would send the Holy Spirit. And he did. And when you know Christ, you have the wonderful Holy Spirit inside of you. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches. He helps you understand. He illuminates the word. He counsels. He protects. He comforts. He encourages. He comes alongside as a companion and as a friend. And he also has the word paraclete. Paraclete, it's a description of the Holy Spirit. He, he is our paraclete, meaning he is the one who comes alongside of us to help us endure. To help us endure. I love that. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and he's with us, and he's helping us to endure. And when you read and you watch the pain in Buffalo, New York, at a grocery store called Tops, and you realize that so many innocent people lost their lives because one young person was racialized and had these extremist far-right political leanings. And our hearts, were, our hearts were agonizing as we watched this unfold through the media. Stories are gut-wrenching. But you think only us. No, not just us, but the Holy Spirit too. In anguish, the Holy Spirit suffers the anguish of those families who have lost a loved one, and he groans with the anguish. But you know, the Spirit is unique in us. We groan, and that's all we can do. We groan. We groan with the heaviness. But the Spirit groans, and he groans with a purpose. He intercedes on our behalf, praying with wisdom that we do not possess. He's asking for us to understand it, that what we simply cannot see in our minds, in our hearts, that the Holy Spirit makes that clear to us, clear to the Father. For example, we don't know what to pray for, Paul says, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Have you ever been at a situation in life where you didn't, where you, it was just so overwhelming? You just didn't know how to pray. You didn't have the words to pray. Because you were overtaken in anguish. I mean, if we're candid, we would probably say, oh, we've all been there. We've all been there. I found myself... I found myself not praying. I just couldn't even pray. And when I think of the situation in that small town in Texas, 17 students, two teachers, and the huge mistake that was made there, and the anger and the anguish, and I'm sure there are many who just can't even pray. Can't pray. So tied up in knots that we can't get our minds to function. We can't get our tongues in the right place to say words. We just don't have any expression. We can't get nouns and verbs together in the urgency of the hour. There was nothing to say. Being in a room many times when the respirator was turned off, I couldn't pray. My paralysis in the moment took over and I couldn't pray. But you know what? The Spirit began to pray 
my behalf, but our behalf. Here's how Paul puts it, English Standard Version. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Here it is in the NIV. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I treasure the words of uh, Kent Hughes as he wrote, there have been times when something has been said to us that is so devastating and we are hurt so much that we can't pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And then he writes, one day some of us will lie in hospitals with catheters and IVs and we will not have the will to pray or even put two thoughts together, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit expresses those things we, can, we feel but cannot articulate. The Holy Spirit says those things we want to say but cannot mouth. How beautiful. <laughs> May we appreciate our wealth. Friends, I just pause to say, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I don't think I've appreciated this enough in my life. Can we just say thank you, Holy Spirit? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being there to pray for us. In our deepest need, in our deepest need, in our darkest hour, you know all our limitations and you're praying for us to get through whatever situation we need to get through. And when I don't have the words, Holy Spirit, you do. And you love me so much that you bring my real needs before the Father. My real needs. Do you know what a gift that is? How much he helps us? Do you ever have a repair person come out to your house to Say, fix your furnace. And they look at the furnace and they analyze it. Then they tell you, blah, 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 blah. This needs, this needs the work on it. And you don't get it, but you, you get it. That they know and you hear them make the phone call to the back to the shop. Do you have these parts? And if you have these parts, I'll come back and I'll pick them up and then I'll install them. And they do that and... Uh, then they come back and they install and, and before long you hear the furnace start up and everything's back to normal. Our furnace is as good as new. Even though we had no idea really what the repairman did. What we knew to do though was to make a phone call and ask for help. And the repairman and the parts manager, they understood the problem. And our need was taken care of because these two guys knew the problem, what it would take to fix it. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for the believers. Sometimes all we do is call for help. We don't even really know what to ask for. And when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit not only understands our problems, but he carries our problems to the Heavenly Father, asking in a language that only they understand. Now, what is the language of the Holy Spirit? I guess that would be the question that would come out of this. The language that the Father understands. There was a time when I thought this might refer to speaking in tongues as a language that the Father knows, because that just seemed to make sense. We don't know the words, but the Spirit does. I'm not a cessationist, meaning I do believe in the continuation of the spiritual gifts after the apostolic period. But when I read this in Romans chapter 8, I don't think Paul had in mind the gift of tongues. 
A closer examination of the text reminds me that it's not the believer that's groaning here. It is the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, the passage has nothing to do with the believer speaking in tongues by means of groans which cannot be expressed. Really, it is the Spirit. It is the Spirit who is groaning. So the Spirit is groaning on our behalf as he communicates our need to the Father. And this is the rich, rich blessing that we have from the Holy Spirit, that when we come to the end of our rope and we cannot pray, the Holy Spirit takes over. I found out in ministry a long time ago that it doesn't matter how well you did in seminary or college, your GPA really doesn't mean a whole lot when you come up against the life and challenges of ministry. No one has ever asked me, what were your grades in seminary? <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> and it really, really doesn't matter what certificate you have hanging on your wall. Whatever profession you're in, what sustains you is prayer and your relationship to God. When what you're going through in life seems to be against you, and you feel like the bottom drops out, and you feel like you'd like to quit, then it's so good to know that you're not alone. When you're up against something and it's really big, don't you know that the Spirit is praying for me? Wow, the Spirit of God is praying to the Father on my behalf, yes. I was reading the story of an elderly preacher who developed Alzheimer's disease. He doesn't know his wife anymore. They had a celebration to honor him after all the years in ministry, but it was hard for this pastor because he doesn't talk much. He slurs. He mumbles. At the end of the program, after everyone had given their remarks, he was on the program to sing, Precious Lord. Now, how's he going to sing? He can't talk. He, he doesn't know the words anymore. But his wife of 50-some years stood next to him, and she's a singer in her own right, and she gave him the mic, and the organist played, and when it was time for him to sing, she whispered in his ear, Precious Lord, Precious Lord, take my hand. Take my hand. Lead me on. Lead me on. And she just kept feeding him the words, standing alongside of him and helping him. And when he didn't have the words, she gave them to him and he sung them. And when he couldn't continue, she finished the song. Isn't that what happens when we don't have the words? Spirit takes our mumbling and clarifies it and tells God exactly what we need according to the will of God and just what we meant. Two quick applications and then... We'll have coffee. <laughs> Number one, when you come to your crisis in life, trust the Holy Spirit to speak to the Father on your behalf. When we get to all those dark places in life, and we all get there, because this world is fain, filled with pain and brokenness, and God never allows pain to go to waste. He'll always use it somehow. He wonderfully does that. 
Remember Joseph sold into Egypt and his brothers wanted to get rid of him. But remember at the end of the story, he said, you intended all this for evil, but God intended it for good. God is always doing his shaping work through victory or success or through pain and suffering. And he's doing that in every one of our lives right now. I'm confident everyone that's assembled here or watching online, he's, he's doing a work in our lives. And, and, and it's coming through victories. It's coming through joys. It's coming through pain. It's coming through sorrow. God is always doing his shaping work. And our Savior feels the anguish of our pain and the heavy, dark places that we have to go through. But he never lets those hard places go to waste. He's forming who you are. And when you come to the crisis in life, trust the Holy Spirit when you seem to run out of words to speak to the Father on your behalf. Secondly, when you feel weak, know that he is strong. When you feel weak, know that he is strong. Sometimes we may feel at the, at the breaking point and we can't go on. And often that's when the power of God is the greatest in our lives, right? God will often multiply his power in your weakness. Why? Because the Spirit is praying for you. And maybe we didn't realize that. Spirit is praying for you. Are you feeling weak? Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw it overboard. The Spirit is praying. God the Father is listening, and he hears the words of the Spirit. And listen to what Paul says. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. Isn't that wonderful? For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. In other words, you don't have to carry it alone. You can say, I don't even know how to pray, Jesus. I haven't got the words. I haven't got the energy. I'm just out of everything. And the Holy Spirit, knowing you so well, will understand where you're coming from, and he will pray for you in groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Groanings that have a purpose. Groanings that have a purpose. Well, how do we respond to all of that this morning? Can I lead you in a brief response? Would you, would you stand with me? Number one, let's joyfully say thank you to the Holy Spirit for living in us. What a privilege, isn't it, to have the Holy Spirit reside in our hearts. So would you just join me in saying thanks? If you're comfortable, just lift up your hands just in praise and say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Just lift up your hands and say, thank you, Holy Spirit. You are so welcome in my life. Thank you for coming to live within my life as a guarantee of God's presence. You know, and that's what the Word says, that the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance that He promised and He's purchased for us as His own people. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here and living in us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Secondly, let's joyfully say thank you to the Holy Spirit for his purposeful groanings for us. Maybe we have a hard time praying, but the Spirit is praying for us, and the Father knows the language of the Spirit, and he hears the pleadings of the Spirit, and he responds. Have you ever acknowledged that the Spirit is praying for you 
just acknowledge it this morning and say thank you. I hadn't really thought about it a lot, but oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. We recognize the purposeful groans of the Holy Spirit. Dear Father, thank you. Thank you for seeing our need, Spirit of God, praying for us in harmony with the will of God. We're so blessed and so honored. You're aware of every person, whether online or here in person. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to pray for us and take our needs before the Father. And Lord, we love you. We love you. We are blessed to be called children of God. And everyone said, 